Viewer discretion advised. Content not suitable for children. Hey everybody, welcome to the Screaming Chewy Show. Yeah! Date Love Pass Incident Happened February 1st through February 2nd, 1959 Nine people found dead in the Ural Mountains in the Ukraine Very, very unusual circumstances Now, up to this day This case is still an unsolved mystery has never been concluded as of to what happened. There are many theories, many conspiracies, a lot of crazy stuff. But this whole case in general is very crazy. Um, Actually, I heard the Ukraine government is uh, reopening the case, which I find very interesting. And um, so if you love staying up at night, um, looking up alien, supernatural, crazy shit, or you're just stoned with your buddies, and you want to listen to some crazy shit, well, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. I'll tell you all about it right after this commercial. Hey, everyone. Chewy here. And you're listening to the Screaming Chewy Show. Now this episode is pretty fucking creepy. Now this is a story or um, an investigation, if you might call it, that uh, I've always found very interesting. And the more I read about it, the more interested I get. It's actually very, you know, okay, creepy again, right? Well... What's scary about it is not only the circumstances and what happened, but if you ask me what's scarier is the fact that this shit is 100% real and it's still a mystery to this day. Nobody has found out what happened. So, there's many theories about what happened. None of of them have been proved, but we're going to go over them. And um, I'll tell you my opinion, my theory of what happened. But first, for those of you who have no idea what Date Love Past Incident is, is, well, let me fill you in, all right? So, Date Love Past Incident is something to the, that refers to the deaths of nine skiers or hikers in the northern Ural Mountains in the former Soviet Union between the 1st and 2nd of February, 1959. Due to the unclear circumstances, the experienced trekking group, who were all from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, had established a camp on the slopes of Kolat Siakl. Okay, um, I might have mispronounced that, some weird-ass Russian shit. But I'm trying my best here, okay? (laughs) So, anywho, in an area now named in honor of the group's leader, Igor Dateloff, during the night, something caused them to tear their way out of their tents 
and flee the campsite. Mm-hmm. The fuck, huh? Now get this. Gets even weirder. All while inadequately dressed for the heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures. Yeah. What the fuck, right? So pretty much the tent was ripped from the inside out. Okay. And all their footprints were found scattered, running out. They left their clothes, warm clothes, you know, and shoes and shit inside the tent and ran out. And a negative 30 degree temperature. Weird, right? After the group's bodies were discovered, an investigation by Soviet Union authorities determined that six had died from hypothermia, while the other three showed signs of physical trauma. Mm-hmm. One victim had a fractured skull, two others had major chest fractures. Additionally, the body of another team member was missing their tongue and eyes. The investigation concluded that an unknown compelling force had caused the deaths. Numerous theories have been put forward to account for the unexplained deaths, including animal attacks, hypothermia, which they did die of, hypothermia, avalanche, catabatic winds, infrasound-induced panic, military involvement, or some combination of these. Yeah, now, I know what you're thinking. The fuck is infrasound-induced panic? Well, I'll get to it. And, um, I know what you're thinking. Oh, you know, maybe these uh, hikers, explorers were unexperienced and maybe some rookie mistakes got lost in the wilderness, died, right? Well, get this. So, the group... They originally consisted of eight men and two women, okay? So, originally it was ten people, but one of them started to feel sick, you know? And in those conditions, um, you do not want to get sick exploring out in the mountains in below freezing temperatures. Now, the reason is you could really, you could fucking die. Not only that, but you're going to slow your group down. And risk their lives too. So that guy decided to stay. So that's why they found nine bodies. Nine people went over there. Okay. Now, these people were actually uh, fellow students at a university. All right. Now, these were experienced grade two hikers with ski tour experience and would be receiving grade three certification upon their return. Not bad, right? Grade three. Well, guess what? At the time, this was the highest certification available in the Soviet Union and required candidates to traverse 300 kilometers. That's 190 miles. The goal of the expedition was to reach or Torton, a mountain 10 kilometers, 6.2 miles north of the site of the incident. This route in February was estimated as the category three, the most difficult their ultimate test so let's start from the beginning here they took a train then uh, they took a 
car ride or some shit to get to their destination. But before leaving, Dayloff, smart guy, had agreed he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as they returned to Vizhai. Dayloff told them that it was expected that they'd be back no longer than February 12th. But Dayloff had told his buddy Yudin before their departure from the group that he expected to be longer. Well, the 10th came around, 11th came around, February 12th came around, passed, no messages had been received. There were no immediate action. As expected delays, you know, it's pretty common with uh, such expeditions and, you know, weather and all that shit, right? But, come February 20th, now it's been 20 days since they've been missing. Eight days passed when they were, um, the day they were supposed to come back. Um, relatives got pretty fucking worried. So, everybody got together, get a search team going, right? And, um, first, you know, these rescue groups, it, you know, consisted of volunteers and students and teachers, but later the army got involved. The militia forces became became involved with planes and helicopters being ordered to join the rescue operation. Now it's getting crazy. Now, days come and pass. February 26th, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on Kolat Saika. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck he's fucking see it. Anyway, back to scary mode. The campsite baffled the search party. Now, the student who found the tent, he said the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty, and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Yeah, as I mentioned before, what the fuck, right? What would you say to that? Now it's getting crazy. Investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside out. Eight or nine sets of footprints left by the people who were wearing only socks or a single shoe or were even barefoot could be followed leading down the edge of the nearby woods. Mm -hmm. Somebody cut the tent from inside out and they all ran scared in their underwear with little to no shoes, maybe socks, into the fucking Siberian forest. Yeah, at night. So, rescuers and researchers instinctively follow the footprints, right? They go into the forest, but they start following each individual one, see where they end up. But trouble is, after 500 meters, these tracks were covered with snow at the forest edge under a large Siberian pine. The, the searchers found remains of a fire. Mm-hmm. Hey, somebody was smart trying to survive, right? But you know what else they found by the fire? That's when they found, found the first bodies. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. The first two bodies I met. 
those of uh, Krivonishenko and Doroshenko. I apologize, guys. I'm so bad at this Russian language. Just stay with me here. Okay? So, they found the body shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. The branches of the tree were broken up up to five meters high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something. Perhaps a camp? Between the pine and the camp, searchers found three more corpses. Dateloff, Kalmar Grava, and Slobodin, who seemed to have died and possessed, possesses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. Okay. They were each found separately at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree. So that was the first few ones they found. But the other ones took a little bit more work. Finding the remaining four travelers took more than two months. Yeah, two fucking months. They were finally found on May 4th under four meters of snow snow in a ravine 75 meters further into the woods from the pine tree. Three of those four were better dressed. There were signs that those who had died first had their clothes relinquished to the others. Dubinia was wearing Krivinovchenko's burnt, torn trousers on her left foot, and her shin was wrapped in a torn jacket. Hey everybody, welcome to the Screaming Chewy Show, yeah! So, they found the tent, they found the bodies. Now, right away, a legal investigation is started. Right after the first five bodies were found, a medical examination found no injuries they might have left to their deaths, and eventually concluded that they all had died of hypothermia. Slobodin had a small crack in his skull but it was not thought to be a fatal wound. So, after they found the first five bodies, do an investigation, you know, and of course, in between those two months before they found the rest of the bodies, I'm pretty sure they start having their own conclusion of what the fuck happened. So now, fast forward a little bit, they find four more bodies, guess what? An examination of the four bodies, which were found in May, shifted the narrative as to what had occurred during the incident. Three of the skiers, hikers, had fatal injuries. One of them had a major skull damage, and two of them had major chest fractures. But get this, now it's getting weird. According to the doctor who examined the bodies, the force they required to cause such damage would have been extremely high, comparable to the force of a car crash. Notably, the bodies, they had no external wounds associated with the bone fractures, as if they had been subjected to a high level of pressure. However, major external injuries were found on Dubinia Nina, 
who was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips, as well as a facial tissue and fragmented of a skull bone. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Fragment of a skull bone. Ouch. She also had extensive skin macerations on her hands. It was claimed that Dubinina was found lying face down in a small stream that ran under the snow and that her external injuries were in line with petrifaction and wet environment. Hmm. And were unlikely to be associated with her death. So pretty much they're trying to say that some of the skin damage could be done after she died and was laid in the water. Could be. So, what the fuck happened, right? I mean, there's the only footprints are their footprints. Okay? So, animal attack feels a bear fucking you know, Bigfoot or the fucking Yeti out there, whatever, went rogue and fucking attacked them, you would see other, you know, footprints of any other animal, any other being. But it was just nine. It led to nine bodies. The fuck, huh? So, you know, according, you know, there's some speculation. There was an initial, you know, initial um, speculation was, uh, they thought the indigenous Manzi people had attacked and murdered the group for encroaching upon their lands, you know. But investigation in, in dictated that the nature of their deaths did not support this hypothesis. Only the hikers' footprints were visible, and they showed no sign of hand-to-hand struggle. Hmm. Now, who the fuck's the Manzi people? Uh, they're natives that had been in that area for centuries. Although they're have they have not been seen there lately these past few years, but they definitely were there in the area centuries ago. So what the fuck happened right? Now let's do a little recap here you now. Let's just list some facts. You know, some uh some shit that was listed in a file, right? Just to keep track of what happened. So, six of the group members died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries, okay? There were no indications of other people nearby apart from the nine travelers. The tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp show that all group members left the campsite on their own accord on foot. Now, this is getting weird now. High levels of radiation were found on only one of the victim's clothing. Mm-hmm. Now, get this. To dispel the theory of an attack by the indigenous Manzi people, the doctor stated that the fatal injuries of these three bodies could have not been caused by any other human being because of the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Release documents contain no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs. Hmm, weird. 
there were no survivors of the incident. So, of course, there was an investigation. What was the conclusion, right? What did they finally decide happened there? Well, at the time, the verdict was that the group members had all died because of a compelling natural force. That's it. That's their conclusion. <laughs> Case closed, right? No, actually, it's still a mystery, you know. It's being reopened, but yeah. And uh, soon after that, the region was closed to expeditions and hikers for three years after the incident. But it's currently accessible. So if you're feeling brave, you want to go explore the Russian wilderness, find the answers, see what happened, go ahead. Braver than me. Fuck that. I don't want to go missing. But another interesting fact about this case is that uh, in uh, February this year, actually, 2019, CNN announced that the Russian authorities were reopening the investigation. Although only three possible explanations were being considered an avalanche, a snow slab avalanche, or hurricane. Yeah, that's what they think happened. <laughs> the possibility of a crime has been completely discounted. Hmm. So, let's get to the good stuff. Well, that was pretty good, but let's get to the theories. Now, before I start exploring other theories, I want to tell you mine. I know what happened. Now, I haven't read up, but I don't know if they had alcohol in their system or not. But, I mean, Russian, right? They're probably in that tent, fucking drinking vodka, right? Living it up to like, fuck yeah, we're badasses. Gonna climb a fucking mountain. Let's get fucked up, right? All right. So now, they're drinking their vodka. That's how you stay ro warm in Russia, by the way, if you didn't know. And um, I bet you one of them assholes is like, hey, check it out. I could light my farts on fire. And then he fucking lets it rip and by the campfire and fucking lights a fire inside the tent. Smoke everywhere. Everybody can't see. So they panic. Slash the fucking tent and run out. Could have been because of the fire or maybe his pedo fucking stinks so bad. They're like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Fuck the clothes. You know, <laughs> there's always one asshole that fucks it up for everybody else. And then, of course, being drunk and running out in the snow, maybe they like fucking ran into a tree or fucking fell and rolled down a hill and fucked themselves up. Could have happened. Seems plausible. <laughs> yeah, so that was my theory. Okay. So, here's some other ones. So, here's a theory that, obviously, here's the most obvious one. The avalanche, right? Of course. So, the group woke up in a panic, cut their way out of their tent because an avalanche had covered the entrance to the tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. Better to have a potentially repairable slit in the tent than risk being buried alive 
and under tons of snow. Okay, that makes sense. They were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow oncoming snow. Yeah, that's smart. In the darkness of the night, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire, hence the burned hands. While in darkness, at some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead. But at any rate, the group of those bodies were most severely damaged, were caught in an avalanche and buried under four meters, 13 feet of snow. That's more than enough to account for the compelling natural force the medical examiner described. Now, Dubinia's tongue was most likely removed by scavengers or ordinary predation. Yeah, I don't know about that. So now, let's get to the facts. Here's some evidence contradicting the avalanche theory, all right? Now, the location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. Weird, right? An avalanche would have left certain patterns in the breeze distributed all over the white area. The bodies found within 10 days of the event were covered with a very shallow layer of snow. And had there been an avalanche of sufficient strength to sweep away the second party, these bodies would have been swept away as well. This would have caused more serious different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line. Oh, man. Okay, here's another one. Over 100 expeditions to the region were held since the incident, and none of them ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. A study of the area using up-to-date terrain-related physics revealed that the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to have occurred. The dangerous conditions, quote-unquote, found in another nearby area, which had significantly steeper slopes and cornices, were observed in April and May when the snowfalls of winter were melting. During February, when the incident occurred, there were no such conditions. Ew. Oh man, debunking it, debunking it. In an analysis of the terrain, the slope and the incline indicates that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche, the circumstances and it most likely didn't happen. Its trajectory would have bypassed the tent and collapsed laterally, but not horizontally. Mm. Datelov was an experienced skier and the much older Alexander Zolotaroyov was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking. Neither of these two men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of a potential avalanche. They were pros, man. They knew what they were doing. They ain't dumb. And last but not least, footprint patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone let alone a group of nine people running in a panic from either real or imagined danger in fact all the footprints leading away from the tent and towards the woods were consistent with individuals who were walking at a normal pace 
fucking weird, huh? How do you explain that shit? So now, let's get to the next one. Catabatic wind. In 2019, a Swedish-Russian expedition was made to the site, and after investigations, they proposed that a violent catabatic wind is likely for the explanation for the incident. Catabatic winds are somewhat rare events and can be extremely violent, and was complicated in a similar case in Sweden. No, complicated. Implicated in a similar case in Sweden. The accident accident at Anaris, where eight hikers perished in 1978 and the aftermath of a cabatic wind. The topography of these locations were noted to be very similar, according to the expedition. A sudden cabatic wind would have made it possible to remain in the tent, and the most rational course of action would be for the hikers to cover the tent with snow and seek shelter among the tree line. Hmm. There were also a flashlight left turned on on top of the tent, possibly, possibly left there for intentionally so the hikers could see and find their way back. The expedition proposed that the group of hikers constructed two bivouac shelters. One of these collapsed leaving four of the hikers buried with the fu- with the violent fatal injuries. Huh. All right, here's a crazy one. Another hypothesis popularized by Donnie HR's 2013 book, Dead Mountain, is that wind going around Klolatsiyakal uh, Mountain created our Carmen Vortex Street, which can produce infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. Are you fucking kidding me? That shit's crazy. So you're telling me a fucking wind, gust of wind makes a fucking vortex making infrasound makes you go fucking crazy? Alright. <laughs> According to HR's theory, the infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of Holachang Mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers. Interesting. He also claims because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary. Fled down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they would have been out of the infrasound's pass and have regained their composure, but in the darkness, be unable to return to their shelter. The traumatic injuries suffered by three of the victims were the result of their stumbling over the edge of a ravine in the darkness, landing on the rocks at the bottom. Huh? That makes sense. Now, here's another one. Of course, this one's on here. Military tests. Mm Mm-hmm. The government, man. Could be true, though. So, speculation exists that the campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. This theory alleges that the hikers, woken by the loud explosions, fled the tent in a shoeless, shell-shocked panic and found themselves unable to return for supply retrieval. After some 
some members froze to death attempting to endure the bombardment. Others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. Damn. There are indeed records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time the hikers were there. Oh, shit. Parachute mines detonate while still in the air rather than upon striking on the Earth's surface and produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by hikers. Oh, fuck. Having internal damage and comparably less external trauma. The theory coincides with reporting sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky within general vicinity of the hikers. Could be military involvement. Could be fucking aliens. But potentially military aircraft or descending parachute mines. This theory, among others, uses scavenging animals to explain Dubinina's injuries. You know, the chick that got her eyes and tongue cut out. Some speculate the bodies were unnaturally manipulated due to the characteristics liver mortis markings discovered during autopsy as well as burns to the hair and skin paragraphs of the tent allegedly allegedly show that it was apparently erected incorrectly so these guys set the tent up wrong something the experienced hikers were unlikely to have done hmm a similar theory alleges that testing of radiological weapons and it's partly based on the discovery of radioactivity activity on some of the clothing as well as the bodies described by the relatives and having orange skin and gray hair the fuck turning into fucking oompa loompas no never mind they had green hair anyway however Radioactive dispersal would have affected all of the hikers and equipment instead of just some of it. And the skin hair discoloration could be explained by a natural process of mummification. After three months of exposure to the cold and winds, furthermore, initial suppression of files regarding the group's disappearance by Soviet authorities is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up but the concealment of information regarding domestic incidents was standard procedure in the USSR and therefore far from peculiar and by the late 1980s all date law files have been released in some manner hmm. and here's another one paradoxical undressing oh that sounds fucking interesting what the fuck is this well, International Science Times posited that the hikers' deaths were caused by hypothermia, which can induce a behavior known as paradoxical undressing, in which hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in response to perceiving feelings of burning warmth. It is undisputed that six of the nine hikers died of hypothermia. However, others in the group appear to have acquired additional clothing from those who had already been dead 
which suggests that they were found what they were sound enough in their mind to try and add layers yeah I don't buy that one even even though that is real you know you're suffering from hypothermia body starts burning and of course your mind is confused take your clothes off but some of these were in fact putting on more clothes apparently and even though you know all of those seem uh, very plausible some have been proven wrong here's a couple more short ones they were attacked by the Monzi or other local tribesmen hmm right I, I talked about that but get this the local tribesmen were known to be peaceful and there was no track evidence of anyone approaching the tent hmm debunked they were attacked and chased by animal wildlife well, again, there were no animal tracks and the group would not have been abandoned the relative security of the tent. Now, here's another one. High winds blew one member away and the others attempted to rescue the person. Huh? Well, a large experienced group would not have behaved like that and wind strong enough to blow away people would, with such force would have also blown away the tent. Mm. An argument possibly related to a romantic encounter that left some of them only partially clothed. Ooh, you're caught fucking. Led to a violent dispute. Oh shit, novela time. About this, HR states that is highly implausible by all indications. The group was largely harmonious and sexual tension was confined to a pl platonic flirtation and crushes. There were no drugs present and the only alcohol was a small flask of medical alcohol found intact at the scene. The group have even sworn off cigarettes for the expedition Furthermore, a fight could have left the massive injuries that one body had suffered. Okay, so, yeah, obviously, these uh, injuries, if they did fight, um, they were, that force was so strong that um, no other human being can cause those injuries, right? So, yeah. What happened at Dayloft Pass? Truth is, nobody really fucking knows. Could be aliens, right? Even though that whole military involvement, that could have happened too, you know? It was around the Cold War. Shit happens in war, right? But even though, if you ask me, I think it was fucking aliens. <laughs> They're like, hey, you guys are fucking up the earth. <laughs> they just made an example. But, yeah, pretty fucking creepy ass shit. Now, I know what you're thinking. Shit, I can't go to bed now. I must look up more facts of Dayloft Pass incident. Well, please do. And if you find some more interesting shit, go ahead. Hit me up. Message me. Um, yeah, screamingchewy at gmail.com. And, um, 
I love this kind of shit. And actually, and um, I know some of you out there are weirdos too, and you love that shit too. So, if you got any ideas, any other stuff that you find creepy and you would like to talk about, you would like me to talk about, uh, let me know. Contact me. Um, you know, follow me on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show, and follow my YouTube channel, Screaming Chewy Show. I think you see a little bit of different side. Me eating a fucking Carolina Reaper pepper. Well, maybe I'll put some scary shit on there, right? Maybe I'll do some ghost adventure shit. Take a fucking night vision camera and go to a haunted place. That'd be fun. <laughs> no, maybe I'll go to a day loft pass. No, fuck that. <laughs> Anywho. I hope you found this interesting and thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, share, please. And thank you for your support. Later. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can find me at anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. There'll be three options for a monthly subscription. First one, I believe, starts at a dollar a month, yo. Yeah, dollar a month. Yeah, and if you don't want to, that's cool. You can follow me on Facebook and YouTube, Screaming Chewy Show, for some memes, some more videos for episodes, and behind-the-scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy, so I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.